Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Season 8 of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode. Today, I'll be sharing a clip that aired inside our collective platform. And if you're wondering what that is, it's an online community designed for conversations around disciple making. And it's a super cool online platform that works kind of like a church building with classrooms and an auditorium for various live events and recordings. Today, Bobby Harrington will be chatting with Ken Adams as they took questions from live audience members. Ken Adams also happens to be a Southern man like myself, who also is the founder and director of Impact Discipleship Ministries. So let's listen in as they discuss what it means to follow Jesus and to teach people not to just be believers, but to be obedient followers of Christ. Here we go. Hey, everybody. I'm Bobby Harrington, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Uh, I get to interview Ken Adams, who is uh, a friend and a partner of discipleship.org. And I want to tell you a little bit about Ken in just a second. So uh, if you're new with us, let me just tell you that discipleship.org has a mission, and our mission is to champion Jesus-style disciple-making. And we also have a vision. Our vision is the day, and it's a big vision. It's the day when Jesus-style disciple-making is the norm in families, in communities, and in churches. And so we're so glad to have you with us. And uh, on our weekly Q&As, <clears throat> as the point leader of discipleship.org, I have guests who are our partners, and we have over 30 partnering organizations. We come together, and uh, we'd like to get your questions, and then we're going to try to answer those questions as authentically as we can. So really grateful for Ken's participation. Let me tell you a little bit about Ken. Uh, he's from Georgia, and uh, of course, he graduated with a master's degree. Uh, in the late 80s, and then he was the first pastor of Crossroads Church. And uh, he was one of these guys that uh, really wanted to find good disciple-making materials, and he had a hard time finding it. And so he said, you know what? Uh, if God allows it, we're just going to create our own stuff. And so he did that, and in the process uh, started Impact Discipleship Ministries. And so Ken has been leading that. We're going to talk more about impact. But uh, Ken, I just want to ask you, tell us just a little bit more about you and about your church and about your ministry as we begin. Yeah, that's great, man. And uh, I just want to say, first of all, uh, thank you. I love the way you said that you're championing uh, Jesus-style disciple-making. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there's not enough of that going on, man. And uh, so thank you for banging the drum, and uh, I, uh, I think you're probably one of the only guys uh, I know besides myself that likes talking about disciple-making as, as much as you do, and so, uh, uh, so it, it's really, really uh, my honor, my treat uh, to join you today on this, uh, on this webinar, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you, you kind of summed it up really well that uh, uh, I came uh, out of seminary uh, back in 1989 to... Uh, uh, to plant a church here in the Atlanta area. Uh, we're in a little community called Noonan, Georgia, uh, which is about, uh, uh, I guess, 25 minutes south of the airport. And so uh, uh, so when I started here, uh, I knew 
that I, I wanted to, uh, uh, to plant a church that was a disciple-making church uh, because I had had some experience with that as a, as a student pastor, as a youth pastor. And so, uh, so I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but honestly, I, I wasn't really quite sure how to do that. Um, certainly my seminary training prepared me for a lot of things, but, uh, but leading a disciple-making church was not one of them. And so, uh, uh, so, you know, thankfully, honestly, the Lord just sort of uh, sovereignly, uh, you know, directed my path so that I would uh, come under some influences of some really, um, you know, good mentors and some, uh, some leaders that had a disciple-making focus. Uh, Dan Spader is one of those guys, had a big influence on my life. And, uh, and so, uh, so really over the last, I've been there, I've been there now uh, 31 years. Wow. And so for the last 31 years, yeah, yeah. So I like to tell people for the last 31 years, Bobby, uh, we have been swinging at it uh, as hard as we possibly can. Uh, we would not dare tell anybody uh, that we are a movement yet, but we are, but we're seeking to be that. And uh, so, uh, so I really and truly, I think I can tell you more uh, what not to do than what to do. And, uh, uh, but I think after 31 years, uh, honestly, I think we're making uh, probably more uh, progress and more traction today uh, than we ever have. And so, uh, and, and actually impact ministries is really just kind of an overflow of everything that we've been learning at Crossroads. And so uh, just like you and what you're doing with discipleship.org, uh, we're just, uh, uh, I'm a local church pastor uh, trying to flesh it out in a local church. And then uh, anything that I have learned or gleaned from guys like yourself or others, uh, I'm just trying to share it and pass it along. And so that's who we are. That's how we got to where we are. Well, Ken, I just love uh, your spirit and your humility. So I want to get right down to it with you. Uh, we both okay. care and discipleship.org. We're all about championing Jesus style disciple making. So you wanted to start your own church to focus on that. Why? Why did you not want to do it through an established church? Well, interesting thing. Uh, you know, when I was, uh, when I was in seminary, I kind of made a deal with the Lord and, uh, and, you know, you always are in trouble when you try to try to make a deal with the Lord on your terms, right? And so... Yeah. Uh, it doesn't so, usually work very well for me. It doesn't usually, <laughs> doesn't usually work the way you think it would. Let's put it that way. And uh, so, uh, so I'm from the South, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to figure that out by listening to me. Uh, but I'm from the South. And, uh, and, and so when I went to seminary, uh, honestly, I didn't, even, I didn't even start out to be a pastor. I, I thought I would do something like student work or maybe be in something like FCA or college ministry or something like that. So, <clears throat> so when I went to seminary, uh, I kind of told the Lord, I said, there's three things I didn't want to do. Uh, number one, I, I didn't want to be a, uh, I didn't want to be a senior pastor. I didn't want to be a lead pastor. I didn't want to be on a staff like that. Number two, uh, I didn't want to be uh, in a Baptist church. Uh, I had been there, done that, and I was ready for something different and uh, had been a part of some different, uh, different type churches, you know, right, right up to going to seminary. And then the last thing is that I didn't want to be in the South. All right. And, uh, uh, I fit here, but I didn't want to be here because I didn't think we needed more churches here. Right. And so, uh, uh, so, uh, I told the Lord, I said, Hey, I'll go to seminary, 
if I don't have to do any of those things. And, so in the, as, so you know, the tape, no, nothing in the South, no senior pastor. And, and what was the other one? And something besides a Baptist church. And so, uh, yeah. so guess what I've been doing for the last 31 years, man. <laughs> so I've been, I've been a senior pastor in a Baptist church in the Bible belt. Man. And honestly, uh, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm glad God won. I'm glad God, I'm glad God won and he had his way and not my way. Uh, because I, I've been on the ride of a lifetime, man. I really have. It's been, a, it's been a blast. And, uh, and so for 31 years, uh, you know, I heard somebody say this, Bobby, this is one of the things that I, 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 I don't even know who said this originally. It didn't start with me, but I kind of claimed it, I guess, but, uh, oh, good. uh years ago, I heard, years ago i heard someone say uh jesus started the church the way he wanted it and now he wants it the way he started it mm. and uh and uh you know that's uh, good isn't it jesus started the church the way he wanted it now he wants it the way he started it and so uh so uh some of my experience growing up was that uh, uh i didn't see the church uh working out the way uh, I thought it was meant to be the way I thought Jesus wanted it to be. I really did believe that he wanted it to be a, a movement of multiplying disciples, really on mission for him and making disciples that were fully trained disciples. And so, uh, so most of my experience growing up uh, was not seeing that. And so uh, when the Lord started putting all these seeds in my heart about that and really kind of beginning to understand that uh, actually out of some, uh, some experiences that I had with uh, with some young men that I had been discipling, and I thought, you know, I, I think I can sign up for this for the rest of my life. And uh, and so then when I became a pastor, um, it was pretty clear that uh, uh, I I wanted to see the church become what I had been doing uh, with a handful of guys in the basement of my parents' house. So it's kind of wow. kind of went from me. Wow, that's great. So um, I'm very interested uh, in, in a statement that you made. And here's the statement that you made. You said, I can tell you many ways not to do it. Mm. And I just want you to know, I want everybody to know, I totally agree with that. <laughs> Is that um, so often <clears throat> in our earnestness, we're trying to do stuff and we learn how not to do it. So let's talk about some things we've learned not to do. All right. Yeah. So you go first. Yeah. So, you know, I'll give you a great example. One of the first things we did was uh, we, uh, the very first, this is, this is, I hope this doesn't take too long to walk you through, but uh, one of the very first thing, I started a, the very first discipleship group in our church, uh, probably started this uh, uh, 29, 30 years ago, uh, was at six o'clock in the morning uh, at a Chick-fil-A uh, here in our area, I had three guys met with for a year. And uh, long story short, uh, we decided to uh, to start multiplying more groups. Those three guys went out and got three guys. I got three guys. So we outgrew uh, this restaurant. And uh, we ended up uh, starting that same environment, that same, uh, you know, kind of gathering, if you will, uh, started that at one of our campuses. And uh, the next thing you know, uh, we had uh, we had about sixty something men 
at that Friday morning. Uh, then we had another group that birthed off of that or launched off of that on Thursday night. So at one point we had about 200 men that wow. were all in these environments. And, and then we outsmarted ourselves and we said, well, you know what, if this is working so good, uh, let's just turn it loose and let it go. And, uh, and so, you know what happens when you take a river without banks, you, you lose your momentum and that's what ah. happened. That's what happened to us. And so, so when I say that we've learned a lot, what not to do, uh, a lot of what we've learned not to do is has a lot to do with the sort of the, the organization structural side of things and the management side of things that we have, uh, uh, you know, we the good thing is, Bobby, we have been sort of a research and development lab. Yeah. So we've been able to try a lot of things. And so, but the things that we've seen is that when we just, uh, when we just try to keep uh, all that organization stuff, just really, uh, you know, driving it through our leadership, um, you know, it, you can sustain it and it works well. And uh, that's just one example. I, there's probably a lot. Uh, of no, that's really good. I can... I can tell you some examples too, um, but I actually just really want to punctuate the point that I would say, because I've been working at it real hard too for many years, I would just say what you're saying is that when you're committed to Jesus-style disciple-making, welcome to a club where we're all still learning. Yeah. And the, I always tell people one of the most comforting things to me is Robert Coleman, I spent some time with him um, you know, just a few years ago, he's in his late 80s. He wrote the gold standard on Jesus style disciple making Absolutely. some 55 years earlier. Mm -hmm. And when I was with him, he says, you know, I just keep learning every day yeah. about making disciples the way Jesus did. Yeah. And I'm like, if Robert Coleman can say that, that uh, makes me feel so much better that we just, you know, and, and, and the reason why we're learning is because we're learning about dealing with people and about relationships yeah. with people. Ken, tell us some things that you've done right. Giving God the credit and the glory, what are some things that have gone right? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, yeah, that's really good. I think, uh, I think one of the things that we've done is that we've just, uh, I would say, first of all, I, I believe that one of the things that, the, that a pastor does is that a pastor is the guy that has to, um, uh, to really lead toward mission. And so, uh, you've got to keep, I, I think you, the job of the pastor is to keep the mission of making disciples very, very clear. And so this might sound a little simplified. I, I don't think it is, but I, I think people would tell you, uh, Bobby, that if you came to Crossroads Church, that, um, that for 31 years, the mission of being and building disciples has been clear and it has been consistent. Wow. And, and so, uh, uh, now I, I could I could be I could be wrong I could be uh, uh, you know uh, feeling that way but 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 I but I hear people say things like that and uh, and I think uh, I think other people would come alongside and and attest to the fact that that's true and so uh, uh, one of my one of my things I see happening in a lot of places is that the uh, um, the mission is not very clear yeah. And, you know, and it's not consistent. And you, you and I both know one of the enemy's greatest strategies is to just like he did try to do in Nehemiah is just get him off the wall. Yeah. And just try to distract him. Right. And so, uh, so I think I, honestly, if you said, Hey, 
you know, what's, what's one of the things that God has allowed us to do well is that, you know, even if we haven't had the, some of the results that we've wanted, I will say that the mission has stayed clear and the mission has stayed consistent. Oh, that's good. Well, Ken, I've heard a lot of good stories about your church. I, I want uh, those joining us to know that, <clears throat> uh, first of all, uh, I really appreciate the humility that you show, but also uh, just want everybody to know that the good success that you guys have also seen. Now, I want to encourage people with the questions in the chat box. So uh, one of the questions we have is about branching groups, <clears throat> or we might say reproducing groups. So the question is, what have you found to be the best time for those uh, in discipling groups uh, to be before they branch? In other words, talk to us about, you've got a group going, when do you branch it? And how do you do that? So, so let, let, me, uh, let me start by kind of giving you the, uh, uh, you know, what we do is we just go back to uh, really the, the strategy of Jesus, right? And so if we keep, so if we keep bringing it back to Christ, yes. uh, it, it's, it makes it really easy to figure out, right? And so, uh, so if you just go back to what Jesus did, so literally, first of all, is that Jesus invited people that were a part of his culture uh, to, uh, to come and see and to come and find out what he had uh, to, to really offer them, how he could uh, change their lives. And so uh, what we do is, first of all, is that we're inviting people in our culture uh, to come to our crowd. And we call it a Christ crowd. We're just trying to lift up Jesus in our crowd. And then once a person's in our crowd, uh, then we're trying to encourage them and lead them uh, into what we call community. And community is that they're uh, connected relationally. Uh, Jesus said, after come and see, he said, come and follow me. And so he invited them into biblical community. And then in that context of biblical community, uh, he was teaching them to obey him. And he was literally uh, fleshing out by being with them, uh, his character and his conduct. And so uh, that's where, uh, I, I believe that's where the transformation took place. And so uh, his strategy was uh, come and see, come and follow me, uh, come and remain in me. And then uh, as they were ready and he, and he had them ready, uh, then it was come and go out from me. And so they moved from the core to what we call the called. And so, uh, so it's important to understand uh, that that is the strategy that we're committed to here in our church. We, we didn't come up with it. Uh, Jesus did, um, but we are trying to flesh it out. And so, uh, so what happens is, is, is a person moves into that, to that disciple-making core, then uh, we are very intentional and we're very strategic about taking them through a process of helping them to catch uh, the character and the conduct of Christ. And then for those that are showing uh, leadership potential, uh, then we're challenging them to take a step into, into leadership in our church. And so uh, that could be going out and leading another, another discipleship. We call them impact groups in our church. Oh, uh, that's, that's really good. So, Ken, let me ask you this. Uh, as you describe that, and I know of your close relationship with Dan Spader, and I know mm -hmm. of the chronology of how Jesus made his disciples, is uh, your process that you just described, 
is that modeled at all after Jesus timeline of discipling his disciples? Uh, yeah, I, I would say it is. I, I would. And, uh, and yeah, you know, you mentioned Dan. Dan was one of the first people that I ever uh, heard uh, take uh, really the chronology of Jesus's life and uh, flesh that out into what it might look like uh, in a local church. And so uh, we, we probably use a little bit different terminology than what he uses, but uh, but yeah, we would say that it's, it, it is still based on the chronology of Jesus and patterned on his life. If that's what you're asking or not, but yeah, we would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so when you do that, like, I love that because I think one of the biggest things that I learned, you want to talk about mistakes yeah. is uh, one of the biggest things I've learned over the years is investing in the wrong kind of people. Like I, I, I have a tendency, uh, that I see people the way I want them to be rather than the way they are necessarily. And one of the big things, and, and you, you identified it, is uh, deciding on the right kind of people to invest in to multiply. Right. And uh, I really appreciate the work that Dan has done on that. Yeah. It sounds to me like you've done some work on that too. So tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. Well, you know, interesting that you would, uh, you, you would, you know, mention that about Dan, because I, I heard him say something years ago that uh, uh, didn't, didn't catch it at first, but as I've, as I've uh, studied the Gospels myself and as I've watched walk through it, even experientially here in our church. So uh, I heard Dan say years ago, he said, you know, um, he said, Jesus made disciples and then he, uh, and then he selected leaders, okay? Mm -hmm. and, or he appointed leaders out of disciples. So, Bobby, one of the things that we hold to really big here in our churches is that we believe that the best, and this is this has proven itself over and over again, the best leadership in our church always comes out of discipleship. And any time that we put a person in leadership that has not first walked through the discipleship process here, yeah, we end up watering down and shortcutting our process. And so... Uh, so uh, we really do, even if they haven't walked through uh, our, our curriculum, if you will, if they are demonstrating the DNA that we're looking for in a leader, then if they have the right DNA, then they will turn around and they will drive your process and they will drive that disciple making process. But if they don't have that DNA, then... Uh, uh, then there's a really, really good chance that they will not be a part of driving the mission and, and they'll end up having mission drift and, and we'll get upset with them because they're not driving it. And it's our own fault that we've got somebody in leadership. But I just want to say what you're saying right now is golden. Now, now Ken, that's a long-term, that's a crock pot process. That's not microwave. That's exactly right. It, it takes some time to develop. But you know what? Think about this, Bobby. How many times, you know, I, I saw this years ago as just a, just growing up in church where, where, you know, you wonder why the church is struggling like it is. And part of the reason is because we put people in leadership positions that, I mean, why would you put somebody, why would you put anybody in leadership that you could not identify as a disciple-making leader? Yeah. Yeah. If, if the mission of the church is to make disciples. Yeah. So, you know, you wouldn't put somebody in any other place in the world. You wouldn't put somebody in a restaurant 
an educational institution, an athletic team. Uh, you, you wouldn't put a person uh, on a uh, major league baseball field uh, that is not committed to the mission of that major league franchise. Yeah. You, you wouldn't do it. Well, but you wouldn't do it if you're yeah. clear about that. Like you said, yeah. one of the things that you guys have done really well is keeping the main thing the main thing. Yeah. Hey, there, let, let me give you a great example. So uh, we, our church is not very far from uh, Chick-fil-A headquarters, all right? And so uh, we're, we're 20 minutes from Chick-fil-A. A lot of Chick-fil-A folks go to our church. And, uh, and isn't it interesting that if you go into Chick-fil-A headquarters and you ask them uh, if, they, if they have any kind of uh, uh, qualifications for an owner-operator, so uh, they will tell you, yeah, we're going to go get you the notebook on what that looks like. And then if you said, do you have a process for developing them? They would say, well, let, let's go get you the notebooks that teach you how to do that. Because the thing is, is that Chick-fil-A has people that are standing in line to just get in line to become an owner operator. And uh, I think that they are, I mean, it, to me, it's sad that a fast food restaurant has to be the model that the Church of Jesus Christ should be, that they're looking at instead of us looking at them, but they're doing it right. Boy, that's good. But that's what you find. They, they've created a, a, a pipeline, uh, a clear sense of mission, a pipeline, and a culture. And those three things, we've got to do that. We've got to have a clear sense of mission. We, we have to have a culture and we have to have a pipeline that helps us get there. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. Hey, Rick in, in the chat box says this, uh, again, talking about Dan Spader. Do you have a Dan Spader definition of a disciple person? or uh, the disciple-making process in your church? So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I hope I answered this correctly, but so for us, so we would say that, uh, you know, Jesus is really clear that the mission is to make disciples. I mean, he, he, you know, he's, he's standing on a, a mountainside in Galilee, and he says, all right, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples of all nations. But then we go to Luke 640, and he says that a uh, disciple uh, will be like his teacher when he is fully trained. Mm -hmm. So now you got this question of, so, so our job isn't just to make partially trained disciples uh, that have just been baptized or just, we want to make fully trained disciples. 
that look and act just like our master. That would be Jesus. And so, um, so I don't believe that a fully trained disciple is, is some uh, uh, subjective, random. In fact, Bobby, this is probably going to be considered a little radical, but I think a fully trained disciple ought to look exactly the same way it does in my church that it does in your church. In the same way it does, and it ought to be the same. It should have been the same way in first century Jerusalem that it is in 21st century North America. Because it's a Christ-like person. A fully trained is a Christ-like person. Exactly. And so, so if, we're, if we're doing what he told us to do, then we're not producing disciples that look like Bobby or that look like Ken. We're producing disciples that look like Christ. And, That's exactly right. And I believe, I'm just going to go out and say, I believe, that the character of Christ and the conduct of Christ is very subjective. I mean, very objective, not subjective. And I think it's, I think it's identifiable and I also think it's measurable. And so we, we literally, if you come in the lobby of our church, uh, you will see placards hanging up on the wall of uh, what we believe are the seven marks of a fully trained disciple when it comes to conduct. And so, uh, so we, we think every one of those are, are outlined in Acts chapter two. Because okay, that's tell, get, give us the seven, Ken. Yeah. So uh, let, let me just tell you where we get them first. So if you go back to, uh, if you go back to Acts chapter two, uh, it's our very first account of the original disciples in the church in Jerusalem, right? And so being led by the 12 disciples, and so if you look at them, the Bible says uh, that they were uh, devoted to one another. So there was a sense of belonging. And so we call that being a member. And then they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So they were, they were growing. And so we call that maturity. And then they were serving one another. And so we call that ministry. And then they were giving to each other, which is stewardship. So we call that managing. And then they were uh, meeting together uh, in the temple court and house to house, having favor with God and man. And so they were, they were worshiping. And we say that's being a magnifier. They were sharing Christ uh, so that every day somebody was coming to know Christ. That's being a messenger. And then if you go a little further, like to chapter 6, uh, you see that they, were, uh, that they were multiplying more disciples. So uh, multiply those seven, we call them seven M's, Bobby. And, uh, and so the, the M, uh, isn't the main thing it, it, in your church, you could use seven P's, all right? Yeah. Yeah. You could use seven D's. So, um, so I think that part we can be creative with, but can I just tell you, I mean, in my mind is that every disciple that was ever made for the last 2000 years, uh, ought to be a worshiper. They ought to be serving. They ought to be a steward. They ought to be sharing Christ. They ought to be multiplying disciples. They ought to be members of a local church, belonging to a church. And I, and I don't think you have a, uh, I don't think you need a business meeting to determine that. <laughs> I think every one of those were found in the church in Jerusalem. And the reason they were found there is because they were all found in the twelve. And the reason they were found in the disciples is because they were modeled in Jesus. Mm, that's good. Makes sense? Yeah, it does. I like that a lot. So uh, another question 
we have this, uh, uh, somebody saying, how do you help your groups to be missional and reach lost people and move them into your groups? So talk to us about, in your system, how you help people to reach lost people in their discipling groups. Yeah. So, so again, I'll go back to what I just told you, because we believe that one of the uh, priorities, uh, we believe that one of the priorities is to be a messenger. So, so because of that, uh, first of all, all of our curriculum, but also our focus in all of our discipleship groups is to, uh, we're, we're trying to raise up, we're trying to raise up disciples that are all messengers. So uh, first of all, it happens very organically as a result of that, but also it happens very, uh, really organizationally because we, we try to drive all of our outreach things through our small group ministry. So we, we got a Christmas Eve service coming up. And, uh, and so I will go to my, uh, I will go to my, um, my men's group this week with a handful of invite cards and I'm going to invite those guys to invite people to Christmas Eve service. And so we trying to, trying to get them on mission. Um, but we're also, so, so I would say that what we're doing uh, church wide is being fleshed out. So the mission of our church to make disciples is being fleshed out in our individual groups. And so, uh, so we, we just think that the two go hand in hand. I mean, let me make a comment. You mentioned, uh, you know, Robert Coleman's book, right? So, uh, so isn't it interesting that, as you say, the gold standard on disciple making doesn't even have disciples in the title. It's called the master yeah. plan of evangelism. Yeah. So, so I, 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 it drives me crazy when people say, uh, so, uh, you're just focused on discipleship and you're not focused on evangelism. Like, no, 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 no. If we're really doing the job of making disciples, we don't just go deeper, we go wider. And so, uh, so if you're, you know, it's funny, Bobby, if you're being, if you're truly being Jesus style disciples, then you are as missional as you can be. That's exactly <laughs> so, right. So yeah, the missional whole, takes care of itself. We were talking about this before we started. The the whole idea that um, disciple Jesus style disciple making uh, is just this discipleship thing that's just biblical mm -hmm. education. That's yeah. not in the Bible. But when Jesus defines when it's Jesus style <laughs> disciple making, that yeah. includes him discipling the disciples before they were his disciples. It begins yeah. with the, what you described, the come and see phase, right? Yeah. And then, you know, goes on from there. So disciple-making includes uh, reaching lost people, traditionally called evangelism, and uh, not just traditional Bible education or sanctification or growth. That The disciple-making has, as its focus, becoming more and more like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. Absolutely. Spot on, man. Spot. In fact, one of the realizations for me years ago was that uh, disciple, I, for years I thought discipleship was just uh, uh, spiritual disciplines. And it was just trying to, uh, to master these disciplines and to go deeper spiritually. And the revelation, the aha for me, was that disciples making was not just going deeper, uh, it was ministry training. 
So, so you know what, Bobby? Jesus never separated the 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 training of the twelve, the the disciplines, with the mission. The whole purpose of the disciplines was to drive the mission. And if and if we're just sitting in classrooms and we're just taking people, uh, we're just taking people deeper in the disciplines that don't end up making disciples of all nations. We we've missed it. We've missed the point of it all. Yeah, that's, so that's that's good. Well, listen, our time is coming to a close here. There's a couple of key questions. Bill okay. Cheney asked this question: How do you change the culture of an existing church into a disciple-making church? And uh, Ken, as you answer that, I want to encourage you to talk about uh, your ministry. Uh, talk to us about impact uh, disciple-making ministry or impact discipleship ministries, and yeah. how you're helping church leaders today. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, I, I think it all starts with the leader, right? I think it all starts with the pastor. And so, uh, you know, my experience has been that if you have a church uh, that is not led by a disciple-making pastor, uh, it's hard to get the right culture in that in that church, and it's hard to develop a disciple-making culture. So, uh, I think I think you know, honestly, it's the leadership that that influences or shapes the culture. And so if, I mean, I mean, if that's not happening, then they're not really the leaders. <laughs> and so, so whoever is shaping your culture is the leaders of your church. And so, uh, so one of the things we've started at impact is uh, a couple years ago, uh, we started an online equipping group uh, that we call the making of a disciple making pastor. And uh, we would have just called it disciple-making pastor, but uh, Bill Hull's already got that phrase, so uh, uh, so we had to add <laughs> something to it. And uh, and I don't think Bill would mind, but uh, but we call it the making of a disciple-making pastor. I use that intentionally because disciple uh, disciple-making pastors don't happen automatically. Yeah, uh, didn't happen for me. Doesn't happen. Didn't happen for you. Uh, disciple-making pastors. Uh, need to be equipped. And so we don't even call it a cohort. We call it an equipping group because we're not just there. We're, we're there to equip you uh, based on the life of Christ, the six priorities of a disciple-making pastor. And uh, we do it over seven sessions. Uh, they're every other week. And uh, uh, if you go to impactdisciples.com, impactdisciples.com, uh, you can sign up. We're, we're actually starting another equipping group uh, in February. And so, uh, so people can go. It's a small fee included, but uh, uh, people could go to impactdisciples.com, find out all that they need to know about these groups. And I think, I think that does answer your question. I think so. Well, I just try to add, I want to add yeah. my word of encouragement. It's a very minor fee. <clears throat> Ken talked to me before we began about the fee. You can join together with a group, but there are groups of eight to 12 people. Uh, you meet for about three months, and uh, um, they're, they're focusing on the right thing, folks. And uh, Ken, I just really appreciate it. I know in the chat box, there's a link to uh, a summit that you're doing at the end of January. Yeah. And uh, again, that website, give us that website again, Ken, so people can yeah. go there. You just go to impactdisciples.com impactdisciples.com. Impactdisciples.com. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being with us. 
We really appreciate your partnership with discipleship.org. Yeah. I really appreciate the encouragement of just making the main thing the main thing for 31 years in the same church, raising yeah. up leaders who are all working on just being disciples and making disciples. And there's a real simplicity in that, Ken, Absolutely. that is beautiful. Yeah. You know, because this mission is the greatest mission on planet Earth. Yeah. And I just really appreciate your example. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much for being with us. And I look forward to the next time when you Absolutely. can join with us. God bless you. God bless you, man. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. And I just want to remind you guys, make sure you mark your calendars for November 4th and 5th for this year, 2021. We're going to be hosting another National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee at Brentwood Baptist Church. It's going to be an amazing time like it has been every year before this. We're going to have awesome speakers like Elisa Childers, Dave Clayton, our very own Bobby Harrington, Shidonke Johnson, and Ariana Remsen, and many more. And also, just as a side note, I'll get to lead you in worship myself. So I can't wait to meet you and to be leading you guys in worship together as we learn more about what it means to make disciples in and around our own communities. So mark your calendars, November 4th and 5th, 2021. Hope to see you guys there. Thanks so much again for listening.